Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We're so glad that you're here. I'd like to welcome all those at our South Campus. I'd like to welcome those at our Dream Center experience. I'd like to welcome those in our online campus. Man, it's a great day to be at the creek. I'll tell you, some of you look worn out. I mean, you've been shoveling snow all weekend. <laughs> I'm telling you, it was a blizzard. I'll tell you, we've had back-to-back blizzards. I've never lived in such a, a community that had to deal with so the elements like we had to deal with it. I'm telling you, after listening to all the news... And then to go out in my front yard on Saturday, and I'm telling you, in North Augusta, it was barely that. Evan's got a little bit more than that. It's kind of where you are, but it is interesting. Can't always trust the news, um, but we're glad that you're here and you made it through the storm. How about that? You know, I like to start with something funny. Did you hear about this lady that locked her keys in her car. Some of you have done that before. You know the frustration of it. And she had a, uh, a coat hanger trying to get the car door unlocked. And she was working and working, just could not do it. And then she stopped and prayed, said, God, would you please send somebody to help me? You know, a couple of minutes later, this old rusted out car drives up and uh, this guy gets out and he's got this skull cap on it and tattooed all up and earrings and, and walks over and, uh, and it's, she's like, oh, it's kind of scary, but I'm glad he's here. And just in a matter of moments, he took that uh, coat hanger and opened that door and she was so thankful. She went and hugged him and she said, I am so thankful. You're such a good man. She said, he said, no, I'm not. I just got out of prison two hours ago. I was in there for Grand Theft Auto. She said, Lord, thank you for sending me a professional. (laughs) Well, today we're continuing our series called Better Life as we take a little bit deeper look at the Ten Commandments. uh, Several years ago, I read um, a poll from Gallup organization that said 84% of Americans believe that the Ten Commandments are, are a good guide for morals. I'm pretty impressed until you read the rest of uh, the document that said, but only 30% of those polled could even name three of the commandments. Uh, Yikes. You know, so last week we uh, we opened up the Bible to study the Ten Commandments. And what we learned is the Ten Commandments were written on stone, uh, two stone tablets. The first tablet uh, deals with your relationship with God. Uh, no other gods, don't worship idols, don't take the Lord's name in vain, and keep Sunday special. And so we talked about that last week. Now, the other six commandments on the second tablet, they deal with your relationship with other people. In fact, Jesus comes on the scene and uses these words. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. And that's really a good description of the second tablet of the Ten Commandments, what we're going to talk about today. Now, here's the big idea. The Ten Commandments teach us to love God and to love people. We're not saved by them, but we are kept safe by them. 
Now, the context of these commandments is is the whole story of the book of Exodus, how the children of Israel were enslaved in Egypt for 430 years, and they cried out in their distress for God to help them, to deliver them, and God sent Moses out uh, to uh, address Pharaoh, and through a series of miracles, Pharaoh released the children of Israel, and Moses led them out of slavery toward the promised land. Now, God's agenda, as we read these commandments and we understand this story, is God's agenda for you and for me is freedom. He wants to set us free. You see, Pharaoh wants you to continue to be in bondage. In fact, Pharaoh looks at you and determines your worth by what you can produce. But what we see in the uh, Ten Commandments is that God wants you to find your identity not in those things that you produce, but you find your identity in God. With that in mind, we pick up uh, the scripture reading from Exodus chapter 20 and uh, verses 12 uh, to 17. It said, honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor, And you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male or female servants, his ox, or his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. And so with that in mind, that's the foundation. And we're just going to dive in very quickly to see how this speaks to us in a contemporary world. So we open it up. The very first commandment on this second tablet At the very top would be to honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. So this is a commandment that has a promise. If you do this, you're going to live long. Live long in the place of blessing. So what does it mean to honor? In the original language, to honor means weight. It means importance. It means impressiveness. To honor is to validate somebody's importance. So when we honor our mother and father, we're validating their importance in our lives. And and to understand that it's not necessarily blind obedience, but it's listening to them, learning from them, gaining from their wisdom. To honor your parents doesn't mean that they're always right because as parents, we know we make mistakes, but it's having that respect along the way. So just very practically, when you think about honoring, um, here's the big idea, here's the big point. It says give honor and show love and grace to your parents and you will be blessed. So that's the big idea for this uh, fifth commandment, to just give honor, show love, and add the word grace. Because as a parent, I'm telling you, as a parent, I need my kids to give me some grace along the way. Because I've made mistakes along the way, and I just need to give them to give me a second chance. Uh, because I'm learning how to do this parent thing too. And you go through various seasons. So when you think practically, how do you honor your mother and father? Well, as a child, that simply means you obey them. They tell you what to do, and you do that. And as an adolescent, in my view, to honor them means to respect them. You are learning what it means to live on your own, to make good decisions. But in that, you learn to respect them. Now, as an adult, how do you honor your parents? I think 
from my point of view, that you honor your parents by supporting them, by supporting them along the way. And you will see that support grow in intensity as you age and as they age. Um, And you've got to understand that looking at the original context of this, Pharaoh's Egypt people were viewed uh, as valuable when you consider what they produce. And if a person stopped producing, let's say they age out of the ability to do a certain job, then they were no longer valuable. They were necessarily, they were disposable. And so uh, this, the Ten Commandments came to change that. It said, we're not going to treat people like that. We're going to honor our aged. We're going to honor our elderly. We're going to support them along the way. And Patty and I are learning how to do that, learning how to take care of aging parents You know, and when your parents age, they need somebody to step in and somebody to be an advocate for them. I'll tell you, there's no better advocate for my mom and dad uh, and Patty's parents than my wife, Patty. She is a great advocate, and and you can do that. She does it from a distance. Uh, Her parents live in Tennessee, Um, but she was born to do this. I'll tell you, my parents have been blessed. Patty knows their medicines. She knows what's going on and so forth. And she is that. And you need somebody like that. You need somebody that's going to read the labels and help go through the process because it is a very challenging season that, that they're in. And just when you think about that, the medical system of our country uh, can be difficult to navigate if you don't have the confidence that you once had. And so you really need somebody, and so that, that may be something for you that, that you think about. How, what's your story in this? When you think about honoring your parents, you know, uh, supporting them, being an advocate for them, what's your story? I mean, let's bring you into this conversation. Let's look at this commandment. Now, some of you are in church right now because you had a godly parent. You had a set of godly parents that instilled faith in you and instilled responsibility in you, and you are here today because of that. And so we're honoring them for passing down their faith. Now, some of you are here in church because you had some not-so-good parents, and your parents did not lead you down the path that you wanted, needed to be, and so forth. And you have determined, I am not going to uh, continue this uh, pattern. I'm going to break the cycle. I had not so good parents, and I am in church today because I don't want the next generations to, um, to live like my parents' generations. It's d- different reasons we, we approach life differently. And so how do you... We, we know how to honor a, a good enough parent. How do you honor a not-so-good parent? How do you honor a not-so-good? I think you honor them by working through the process of coming to terms with what went on in your life. Just come to terms with it. You come to terms with what went on and what actually happened. And some of those, uh, you may need a trusted friend to talk it out. You may need a Christian counselor to help you work through that. But this is a real deal because there's a lot of mother hurt or daddy hurt um, that we all carry. And so we've got to learn to work it out. And I think one of the best ways is 
um, of honoring your parents is to work through that. Now, some of you say, look, my parents have been dead for, for a long time. Well, if you're still carrying that pain, you've got to still work through that. Even though your parents have passed, uh, maybe you write a letter, maybe you, you still learn to talk it out because you've got to get the junk out. We, we talk about that a lot during 21 Days of Prayer, that we want to get the junk out of our lives. And some of that junk is what's slowing us now from being the people that, that we are created to be. And so I just want you to think about that. So maybe some, the greatest way for you to honor your parents is simply come to the place where you can forgive them. You just for, learn to, to forgive them. And that you're going to make a commitment to model and, and respect uh, life and relationships in your current family. Let's go to the next verse. He said, you shall not murder. Now, the sixth commandment, um, in some translations, said you shall not kill. Now, this, con- uh, this is in a context where God is saying that life is important. Life is sacred. And we say it all the time here at Stevens Creek. We say that people matter. So here's the point. Be pro-life. Be pro-life. Care for all people at all stages of their lives. Be pro-life, care for all people at all stages of their lives. Now, this is not a political statement on abortion. However, maybe it should be. Maybe it should be. Our leaders want us to listen to the science in every area except when it comes uh, to reproductive rights and abortion. They're always pointing, listen to the science, listen to the science. But when it comes to this issue, the science will tell you that an unborn baby is a life. And so we need to uh, understand that there's no question about it, none at all. God is pro-life. God is pro-life. God values all life. Yesterday was the 49th anniversary of Roe v. Wade. And um, I pray that this current generation will right the wrongs of the previous generation. And we've made great progress in our country over the last several months and years, uh, mainly through the southern states, uh, um, of helping to navigate a path forward of embracing a pro-life stance. But just understand, at the very heart, people matter. Now, let's go a little bit deeper for a moment. It's striking that the verb used here to murder is never used in the Bible in reference to killing an opponent at war, or it's never used um, for when there comes a point where a convicted son or daughter are executed for their crimes. The Bible allows for these actions. However, I believe that the Bible also gives us examples where grace and mercy has been extended. We've all seen people that have been touched and redeemed and set free and given another chance. And I think that should be our heart to see people redeemed, to see people changed, to be, see, see people healed. So at first glance, the sixth commandment appears to be the easiest to Uh, of the Ten Commandments to keep. It's easy until you get to the New Testament and you hear the words of Jesus. And Jesus just changes the conversation. In Matthew chapter 5, it says, You have heard that it was said, The people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone murders is subject to judgment. Okay, check. We got that. 
But I'll tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, which means you're worthless, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fires of hell. In the simplest terms, Jesus was saying there's more than one way to kill somebody. You can kill somebody with your words. So he's saying, watch your words. Watch the words that you say because, you see, your words have power. You can speak life or you can speak death. And so focus on speaking life. Watch your words. Watch your anger. And so get your anger under control. We're looking at the Ten Commandments. Here's the next one, verse 14. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not commit adultery. This commandment seems very straightforward. Adultery is breaking the marriage vow with a relationship that is outside of that vow, outside of marriage. Most of us understand this commandment very well because we have seen it played out very close to us. We've just seen it played out over and over where a relationship falters because of uh, someone's decision to step out of bounds. And it's painful. And honestly, most affairs uh, take place because of emotional uh, immaturity. You know, they're still acting like they're in high school and, and they just had never grown up. I think affairs happen because of unresolved conflict. That You know, there's this thing that's um, burning underneath the surface and you just will never deal with that. And it just grows and grows and it finally explodes. Or a lot of times affairs take place because of unmet needs. All of us have needs. And, and there are certain needs that are designed to be met within the marriage, the holy matrimony. And so we, we wrestle with those. And my word to you as I look at this commandment is this, be faithful. Be faithful. Marriage is for better or worse. And when things get worse, figure out how to make them better. Be faithful. Marriage is for better or worse. And when things get worse, figure out how to make them better. So how do you do? Just start with yourself. Look inside. Because, you know, I was thinking about that. If you can affair-proof yourself, then that's 50% of your relationship. If you just deal with yourself, don't worry about it. Just deal with yourself. Well, what do you do? First of all, guard your heart. You know, be wary of those little discussions over in the corner of your mind. Says, man, I wonder what it would be like to talk to that person. I wonder what it would be like to have dinner with that person. And then you just go down that path. Don't let that happen. You know, the Bible talks about the power that you can bring every thought into captivity. That's where you need it. You need, oh, I am not going there in the name of Jesus. I am bringing that thought. I'm going to wash my mind with God's word. So you guard your heart. I think you guard your eyes. You, you be careful of what you're looking at. And I'm telling you, this is the hardest thing to do these days. Um, because just messages and images are sent to you. Uh, and some you have no control over. I mean, it's crazy the kind of text messages that, that we get on our phones and that we never solicited. And it's just, we just live in a dangerous culture. And so we have to really guard our eyes. I think we guard our feet. That we guard our feet by saying, okay, um, we know what the possibility is happening over here and we're not going to walk toward that. We're going to walk away from that. We make a decision. We're going to walk away from that temptation. And I think you guard your, you safeguard your mate. 
you know, don't smother them, but you try to do whatever you can to keep them safe. Here's just an example. Um, you know, in relationships and friendships, strive to build relationships as couples with people who value marriage, who value um, holy matrimony. And so just kind of build relationships because you need people that can strengthen you and encourage you along the way. Another great thing is a few weeks from now, we're going to have the EXO Marriage Conference. This is something just to strengthen um, marriages at all stages. And so you can sign up at stevenscreekchurch.com. It'll it's a, a two-day event that will b- bring encouragement to your marriage. Let's drop down to the next verse. It says, you shall not steal. And more than likely, most of us probably have had something stolen from us, or maybe we're the person that stole something. And you say, oh, not me. Uh, I don't have any sticky fingers here. You had never taken a piece of candy that didn't belong to you, or maybe a, an apple out of an orchard, or... I saw you at Publix the other day taking that grape. <laughs> okay, Kroger. Hit the Kroger produce, kind of slip that grape just to make sure. Really? Come on. Um, yes. We all wrestle with that. Now, at the very surface, this commandment deals with the taking of something which belongs to someone else. Taking of something which belongs to someone else. Um, And some of you would never steal anything, but you have done what I call long-term borrowing. (laughs) Long-term borrowing. Uh, And at what point does long-term borrowing come and break the commandment? That's something to think about. Because I told you that I hadn't preached on the Ten Commandments in a long, long time, like decades and I was thinking about it. I've done it a couple of times. Uh, let's say 1995, I did a 10-week series, 10 weeks, one a week. And, and I just went deep into that. And I remember that season. I remember that season because I borrowed a ladder from Steve Saccone, uh, really from his dad. I borrowed a ladder, and as I'm preparing this uh, and just looking at my own life, I realized I still had his ladder. And it had been months, maybe even two years. Um, <laughs> maybe. And so I had to make it right before I would even preach the message. And so I had to call him up and say, hey, I've got your ladder. Oh, Marty, don't worry about it. You can just keep it. So they had a lot of grace to that, and I got to keep their ladder for another uh, decade or so. And so, you know, have you ever had, you know, you have intentions to return something? You know what it is, that, that, that punch bowl or that, that platter or, you know, that golf club, you know, that, that chainsaw or maybe that phone charger. You ever borrowed somebody's phone charger? Yeah, I, you know, it, it's just that long-term borrowing. Uh, you know, some of you need to work on that this afternoon. You need to make a list of all those things that you've borrowed and, and just start writing down. I was thinking about that, and, um, and, and uh, Jim Evans, are you running the camera? And so Jim Evans is one of our camera guys, and he let me borrow some DVDs. He's here, and so just wave them. And so I brought them to church today because I've had them a long time. I know you can't see that in our South Campus, but uh, JT's holding up some DVDs, says, I, I, I am returning today, and that's the very reason I can preach this message, because <laughs> the guilt is being removed. The guilt is being removed. 
And, and so you need to think about it. Have you borrowed something from work? You borrowed something from the shop? Maybe you've taken a tithe dollar from the Lord. You've done something like that and that you just want to make things right. This is a good afternoon to do that. And just think about that. Man, you can clean out your closet and you can feel good about it too. Now, what's the point here? Always be honest. Always trust God to provide for what you need. Be honest. Just trust God. God knows what you need and God is going to provide it. God will provide that need. So you just need to be patient. Let God complete his work. God knows what you need before you even ask for it. And so just ask him. Say, God, I need this. Um, and so I don't have a problem borrowing things. We, we, uh, we help and we support one another. But just be practical about it and be reasonable about it. So next verse, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Now, this is talking about lying and giving false testimony against your neighbor. The word neighbor has a much broader perspective here in the original context. It talks about a friend or a, a co-worker. It talks about a companion. It can mean an associate or a brother. And basically what he's saying, just be truthful at all times. Just speak truth, especially when you're speaking about another person. He said, don't lie publicly. Don't go and... Uh, to a court of law and produce uh, falsified documents. You know, don't hang up the court like that. You know, don't sue somebody if there's not a need for that to happen. You know, just be honest. Be, be, be honest in that, that case. But it also, not only talking about that, but it's also referring privately. That was the public, but privately. You know, watch your whispering and the backbiting and the slandering and trying to destroy somebody's character on social media. That's a very uh, valid temptation that all of us have, all of us, to be quick and to be short, to be uh, just to help create questions on that. And so the point is, is God's people are to reflect his character. So be truthful because you'll discover freedom when you tell the truth. Be truthful, but you'll discover freedom. Um, I think so many people lived junked up because they are not truthful. And you just need to be honest and be, be truthful along the way. And it takes courage to do that. There are a lot of times when it's much easier to lie. It is much easier to lie than it is to tell the truth. And so what do you do? And I would say to you, just tell the truth or be quiet. Tell the truth or be quiet. There is something to this. You know, the ninth step of the 12th steps of AA says make amends except which to do so would injure them or others. I think we've got to approach that when we're talking. If you know the truth is going to hurt, um, sometimes you need to go there, but other times you just need to be quiet. Just keep quiet. And the Bible talks about that. The Bible says that we need to speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in a way people can receive it. So never use the truth as a way to get dominance over someone or to belittle someone. And so just as you go through that, just consider that. And so in summary, the ninth commandment forbids telling a lie, spreading a lie, or living a lie. Here's the final one. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife his male or female servant, his ox or his donkey 
or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Now, the word covet here is to, to lust after, to long for with a great desire. This is to desire something that you don't have that somebody else has, and you just covet that. You just want that, and that desire takes you to a very bad place. And so many times we feel like that if we don't have what somebody else has, that we're just not enough. And I want you to understand this, and the last fill in the blank is simply this. You are enough. You are enough. Hear me. You are enough. You see, Pharaoh is trying to get people to... Uh, look at their lives and base their lives on their productivity. But God says, no, you base your life on God's identity in your life. And so you are enough. Don't compare yourself with anyone else. Focus on the blessings of God. You are enough. God created you. You are enough. And I realize some of you have voices that are speaking to you, a script in your brain that says that you're not enough, that you um, that you'll never make it, but that's the voice of the enemy. You've got to listen to the voice of truth. Jesus, you are enough. You're enough. So it's interesting how commandment number 10 some way connects to commandment number one because God wants you to prioritize your life around him. God wants to be number one, have no other gods. And in this, he said, don't focus on all these other things, all this passion to possess, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, then these things will be added unto you. So Moses uh, received the Ten Commandments from Mount Sinai. They go uh, forward and they're headed to the promised land. As they're going to the promised land, God has been faithful to them. God, you remember, parted the Red Sea. God provided food for them. Their clothes did not wear out. Um, and God took care of everything. But along the way, people grumbled and people complained. They grumbled about Moses. They grumbled. Uh, they talked bad about him. They were disgruntled. And as a result of that, they're on their way to a better land, to a promised land, and they're just grumbling and being negative and all of that. God saw that response. They had the commandments. They were on their journey to a better life. And God saw how they were treating their leader. God saw how they were treating one another. So, in Numbers chapter 21, in verse 6, Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. Uh, they bit the people, and many Israelites died. Poisonous snakes showed up in the camp. And people were bitten by these snakes, and they were dying. So the very one they were complaining about, Moses, they didn't like his leadership, they didn't like him, they were now running to him and said, would you please pray for us? Please pray for us that these snakes would leave us alone. And so this is what God told Moses to do. He says, take a bronze snake and put it up on a pole for everybody to see. And whoever looks up at that bronze snake, that person will be healed. Now, it's interesting, this story, very unique story in Numbers 21, that you see that bronze snake on a pole across our community as a symbol for the medical community. Doctors and also uh, medical facilities use that symbol to communicate that. Well, it's rooted back in this story we're talking about in Numbers 21. And so God says, if you've been bitten by a snake, you look up and you look at that bronze snake on that pole and you will be healed. 
And it's kind of weird because, you see, that was the problem. The snake was the problem. But now it's also the solution. And so we see that, um, <clears throat> that God took the very thing that was the problem and he turned it around for good. God does that. He takes the bad and turns it around for good. Now, um, from then on, anybody that looked up was healed. Now, let's go forward to the New Testament. Years later, Jesus was talking to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. He said these words, As Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so I, the Son of Man, must be lifted up on a pole so that everyone who believes in me will have eternal life. And so this occurrence in the Old Testament, when Moses held up this, this was a type or a foreshadowing that one day Jesus was going to be lifted up. And that when you look up at Jesus, then you will be saved. You will be healed. So my question to you is, who are you looking up at? Who are you looking at? Are you looking at your circumstances? Are you looking at how big your problem is? Are you looking at how terrible this virus is? I would say instead of looking at all the problems that you look up. Because you see there's salvation when you look up. There is freedom when you look up. There is victory when you look up. There is healing when you look up. You don't have to go through life always looking down. Down at your problems, down at your life, down at your situation. Because those who are with you are greater than those who are against you. And you've got to understand that we have victory in Jesus' name. And we look up. And when we look up, we realize that salvation is coming and healing is coming. Now I realize this is a hard pivot to go from the Ten Commandments to a place where we consider healing. But that's exactly where the children of Israel, they received these commandments. And as they went through, headed toward a better place, headed toward a promised land, they didn't learn from the commandments that they went negative on. And God brought judgment on them. But even with the judgment, God brought healing. And Jesus, when he was lifted up on the earth, he brings salvation. And the word salvation actually, if you look at it in the Greek, actually means salvation and healing. The greatest miracle in your life is to be saved, is to have your sins washed away. But along with that same word, God brings healing to our bodies. Interesting thing happened on Thursday, of uh, this past Thursday. Came to 21 days of prayer. And honestly, for the last month, I have just not felt well. You know, you just press through this, you just do that. But for four weeks, I don't know when I've been sick that long. And it's just like, just felt bad. Um, and it just wouldn't go away. And somebody met me at the door, and we we're just small talk. And then he looked at me and said, the Pastor Marty said, uh, what can I pray with you about? And I just thought, well, you know, a lot of times I said, I just kind of do like you. I don't say everything that I'm feeling or thinking or going through. But I just paused and said, look, I've been sick for a month. I just pray. And, you know, I believe that a turnaround took place right then. Not that I was instantly like better, but I am better now than I've, since Christmas Eve. I'm, I just feel better. And you know, the Bible says that you have not because you ask not. And this 
person just simply said, I want to pray for you. And he prayed for me and I feel better. Well, I want to say to you, I want to pray for you. If God can make me feel better, I believe he can make you feel better. In this um, congregation, on our South Campus, those watching online. And so uh, the team's going to come around and sing a song. And as we sing that song, if you would like prayer, you can come forward and our prayer team, our staff will anoint you with oil and pray over you. Now, here's what I need you to do. If you come forward, now, um, I want you to just say, hey, my name is so, and give them your first name. You may have known that person 20 years, but just do me a favor. Just give them your first name and just tell them what you need prayer for. Uh, just say, hey, my name uh, is so-and-so. I need prayer for this. And just be very clear. It just helps them focus their attention on your need and, and, and the Lord. Now, for those of you that do not come forward, you know, just remain seated, stand up, find your posture. You can do whatever, but just be praying. There, there may be a point where during the time you see somebody come up and, you'll, and you may see this person over here, you don't even know, know their name, but the Lord is drawing you to see this person. And he wants you to stand in the gap and intercede. So your prayers will be added to those prayers for that particular person. And so you have an important part, even if you don't come forward, to stand in the gap and pray for those. And, all, uh, and we're in a season of prayer, and the church opens at 6 tomorrow, service at 7. This coming Saturday, it'll be 10 a.m. But we also use this season to write names of people uh, who we want to see changed by the power of God. And uh, we, every January, we clean the glass, and we start and pray new prayers for the new year. So the glasses have been cleaned. And so uh, in our campus here, we write down those names. And uh, South Campus, just write it on a card and turn it in, and we'll pray over it this week. So I want to pray over you. So I just want you to come to the place where you're ready to receive. Are you ready? Just, just, uh, I just want you to come and say, God, I receive what you have for me. Just that type of attitude. I want to pray over you. Father, in the name of Jesus, come. Let your presence be strong in this auditorium, in our South Campus. To all those in our online campus, I pray right now for those in our Dream Center experience. I pray for you. I pray that the power of the Holy Spirit would rest on you. I pray, God, that this would be a moment, a moment of change, a moment of encouragement, a moment where life is released. Like there's this freedom that comes. There's this joy that comes. There's this peace that comes. I pray in the name of Jesus for you. And for those of you that are being um, attacked by a friend, by a coworker, or maybe even spiritually attacked, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that those voices that are coming against you will be silenced. And I pray that those things, people that are coming against you, uh, that their influence would be silenced and we push them back in Jesus' name. Now, Father, we know that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against uh, principalities and powers of the Spirit. So we declare that nobody but Jesus, nobody but Jesus, nobody but Jesus is going to run our lives. So we 
give our lives to you and we surrender. And it's in your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to stevenscreekchurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.